Say not, not, not. 
is written of you. This is Father, we pray. We exalt your name for you are God and only you. You, O oh God, reign supreme. Lord, we declare we will do your will. We will do your will. We will do your will. We exalt you, Spirit of the Sovereign Lord. You who dwell between the curtain, we will do your will. You who hold the waters of the earth in the hollow of your hand, we will do your will. You who measured the hills and the mountains in your scale, we will do your will. You who measured the dust of the earth in your span, God, we say we will do your will. We will do your will. We, will do, we are not perfect, God. We will do your will. We thank for grace. We celebrate you today, oh God. We honor you, Father, for you are altogether other. 
Oh, come on, everybody. Oh, we honoring the king of the universe, the architect of creation, oh, the artisan that all artists draw from. The light that was before Genesis was. Oh, Father, we come, oh God. We pour out our life. <laughs> we pour out our life and our praise. Our evening sacrifice. A libation unto the Lord. Tonight, oh God, once more enroll us into the school of the Spirit. Talk from eternity now. For now is a set time for Zion. You declared, oh God, that this is going to be a year of government, governance and governing. Oh, conduct the affairs, oh God. Reka, lead Israel. Lead Israel. Once more, Lord. Reka, look down from heaven. Makayala, let the hill of the Lord shake. Reke, you hold the hearts of kings in your hand. Oh, it's all yours. This all yours. All the nations are but a droplet. But nothing in a bucket, oh Lord. What is man? Hey, that you are mindful of him and the son of man. Oh God, that you consider him. Oh, we've come, God. Eka to proskaneo you, to worship you, to honor you, O God. Siyadabashata, Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, we say, come and have your way in this place tonight. Wherever we are situated, come and have your way in the embassies, in clusters, in homes, in all the nations. Ah, share whether it's live or recorded, have your way. Ah, Baka, we place a demand on the spirit. We come in the volume of the book that is written of us. And we say, we come boldly before the throne of grace. And we say, Lord, speak to us tonight. Raka, we will not be the same. We are not the same as we was in 2022. This is 2023, O Lord. You sing over us, O Lord. You sing over us. The blessings of the Lord. We declare them for your promises are yea and amen. We honor you, O God. We exalt you. Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, come and have your way. Come and have your way. Educate us. Enlist us. Enroll us once more. Come into our ship, O God. Lead us into deep waters. Teach us uh, how to trade in the Spirit. Bono us, oh God. Hey, apprehend us. Apprehend us for that which you created us for. You formed us, you barred us. Hey, Kadaba Shadaba Kataya. Makodo Bosch Kataya. 
Mandes ke pabando korada basere bo shataya. Rakando skele babada bashete koroko bando skataya. Oh shedaba. Oh ketebo roko malaba shataya. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Kai komande ketaparo kondes kataya. E labado bobondes kataya. Radabande kete. Oh, visit us tonight, oh God. Rebadabasha. We are expectant. Lebashata. Your word says, E kayalabasha. Can you, ah, like a mother, can you? Can you forget a suckling babe? Reka, you are El Shaddai, the Almighty One, the Blessed One. We come before the omnipotent God, the omniscient God, the omnipresent God. Ah, we declare there is no one like you. The one who shows the former things to come. Visit us, oh God. Radabasha, stir up, quicken us, so we may call upon your name. Quicken us, oh God. Makalabashataya. Mande skapando shadaba baba. Rekadaba sekedo boshataya. Makayadaba sekete bobosh. Mande skapando shadaba. Quicken us, O oh God, that we may call upon your name, Jehovah, the self-existent, the eternal, the self-sufficient, the self-sustaining one, free in one, co-equal, co-eternal, the great I am. You'll be who you'll be, who can stay your hand. Marka, have you not said it? Will you not? We call on Yehovah, the gift and the giver. The one who creates things from nothing, ex nihilo. Makapado kopata, ekala the architect of creation. Redaba sere rebosa, mande kadaba sere. The one whose glory funders ah lebra kataya. The glory and lift up of our heads. Elaba shadaba kataya. The rose of Sharon, ekadaba sere rebo. Makata the fairies of ten thousand. Mande kaba sekete barabate o shakataya according to your word labor according to the bible at the entrance of your word is light ah to give understanding to the simple so god we say tonight we are the simple teach us in the ways of the spirit reveal light reveal light for you said arise shine for your light has come and the glory of the lord has risen upon thee Makada basete parokotaya, makela brakata, mandoshketa papa, rakata, oh shada bakata. You traded us, hey, you traded the Sabians and the Ethiopians for us. Ah, uh, Lord, bring the dromedaries and the camels. Ah, uh, bring kings and queens to our rising. Makayeda bashadai. Because we are called by your name. We have a goodly heritage. The lions are falling for us in pleasant places. We command the constellation. We command the 
Makando shekele badaba sedebosa. Oh, kayada babande kete. We will do your will. We will do your will. Yedaba shadaba kataya. Oh, mande salaba. Father, we say we are not perfect. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your compassion. Yorakum. Rekadabasha Yorakim. Ekapa. Makonos kapai le basande kete. Rokomande kayadabashataya. Oh, you who gathered us under your wings. Ekapapa. Oh, she. Let us soar with the ego of God. Makadabashekelabar. You called us out of Egypt. Ah, you pulled us out of Mary Clay. You broke us from the snare of the fowler. So we may trade in the spirit. Tonight, oh God, reveal Jesus. Let there be divine visitation and encounters. We come to expect it. This is not business as usual. God of the spotted and the speckled the stay and the staff. We demand it, O Lord. So, Spirit of the living God, we worship you, Lord. We welcome you. Visit us at the hour of need. Explain to us what it means to govern in this season. Reveal the heart of the Father. For only God can move God. Speak to us, speak through us, speak for us. Help us take our places continually in the course of heaven. Let us intercede for the affairs of men and nations. Let's change outcomes of votes and elections by doing business in the spirit. Our word will be heard. We no longer feed on milk. Televon sikelebenti kalubus na hatikaile hata zevontiela abuliakata liados na vakatietela zebeledos ne hetikiatomba atinan dobrokoste betiela jikabo liatenda rahati. Thank you for your glory. Thank you for your glory tonight. Thank you for your glory that is in this room. Thank you that when we call, you answer. That when we cry, you are there. 
thank you for your goodness to us as a people in this spiritual tribe. We do not take for granted the consistency and efficiency, the sufficiency of the supply of your spirit to us. Oh Lord, we give you thanks. Oh Lord, we give you praise. Unto him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb be blessing and glory and honor and power forever. And so, Lord, tonight as we open your word, as we go behind that veil, would your presence be with us, O Sovereign Spirit. Let the entrance of your word tonight, Lord, let the entrance of your word bring light. We acknowledge our simplicity. Let it give us understanding. For the Lord is our light and our salvation. Whom shall we fear? For he it is that is the strength of our lives. Of whom shall we be afraid? When the wicked, the evil one came up upon us to eat our flesh, he stumbled and fell. Though war should break out against us, we will not be troubled. For in this one thing will we ever be confident. That you, O Lord, are the strength of our lives and our portion forever. Our shield and our exceeding great reward. The lion and the lamb, the priest and the offering the judge and yet our advocate the beginning and the end omega yet alpha the wheel within the wheel who is it that speaks a thing and has it come to pass when the mouth of the lord has not spoken it yahweh be praised yahweh be glorified yahweh be lifted high now and forever we belong to you now and forever we belong to you and so Lord tonight would you take this vessel this lips of clay and birth your agenda would you anoint me for divine outcomes? Would you pour the oil of gladness upon me that it may flow to your people? Would you commission me? Take the keys down just a little bit again. Would you commission me to effect divine outcomes? The keys down again, or the keys down a bit. Commission me to effect divine outcomes tonight divine outcomes 
divine outcomes divine outcomes let the sick be healed let the oppressed be set free let the forgotten find vengeance in the courts of the king and in your presence let everyone cry holy 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 is the lord one more time we give you praise would somebody clap your hands oh you people wherever you are around the world and shout to god with a voice you can do that in the studio come on tony shout to god with a voice of triumph hallelujah thank you can i get my other phone please hallelujah it's somewhere in the area amen if it's not there maybe it's in the office all righty get your bibles out tonight everybody um actually before we get the bibles out oh thank you so okay i'm told my volume thank you sir that my volume is quite low so if you could turn my gain up just a little bit or turn me up in the stream the folks online are complete i think i'm fine if i turn me down in the house and then turn my gain up a little bit so that those in the stream can hear me a bit louder uh, and let's test it before we move on let's know that the people are are cool so my mic all right now turn my gain up a little bit thank you gain of our mic yes amen okay so chrissy let me know if that is any better uh, and we can take the keys down completely thank you jesus hallelujah so let's get the elephant out of the room let's take the keys off completely completely all right let's get the elephant out of the room the question is where have you been rev uh i have been amongst other things, recovering from a bout of suboptimal health, but I am perfectly fine now to the glory of the Lord. It's been an interesting start to the year. Um, I think sometimes God allows your body remind you that while your spirit may be eternal, uh, the horse is from the earth. And if you don't treat it like it is from the earth, it will tell you, you go serve God on your own. I'll be right here getting some rest. Uh, I've also been taking some extended time in the presence of the Lord, uh, uh, dealing with God, or should I say having God deal with me about some things. Um, come, you can come and sit down over here so I can see everybody's face in the room. Um, so God and I have been de having some dealings. Um, and before I go into my word for tonight, I would like to share with you a scripture that explains what I believe God and I have been, or that explains to some degree uh, what the Lord and I have been uh, conducting over the last two or three weeks. First of all, Chrissy, my laptop's decided it doesn't want to work today, so uh, if you could help me over there. Can we celebrate our media team, Minister Chrissy, 
uh, Brother Tony and everybody else who is a part of making sure. The Bible says God gave the word and great is the company of those that published it. And uh, I said before, that means two things. It first of all, means there's a large number of people. And trust me, there are far more people than you will ever see on this platform that are responsible for this platform. You don't see them, but they're the, the real MVPs who are working day and night to make sure that the word of the Lord and the presence of God, the power of God, the direction of God uh, meets you where you are both online and on site. Um, I'm so humbled at the testimonies that I continue to hear. And you know what? The, the testimonies that really, okay, I'm told my volume is still a bit low. So Tony, if you could take this in the stream up now, just bump my volume up in the stream. So um, it's, it's not so much the testimonies from normal people. And don't get me wrong, those, those are spectacular. I've heard about healings, uh, uh, directions, uh, supernatural visitations that have happened in homes and cars while people have been tuning in uh, to uh, a kingdom culture broadcast or video. But the ones that really uh, encourage me are the ones, no, just leave my volume in the house, just take me up in the stream, put my volume in the house back where it was, and then take my volume up in the stream as well. It's the testimonies I hear from pastors, leaders, and ministers in their own right. Uh, because at the heart of the matter, I believe that in this season of my life, I'm called primarily not just to lead a local house, uh, but to help in heaven's efforts to coordinate reformation on a global scale. And I have a special soft spot for pastors. I have a special soft spot for pastors and those who lead other people. In essence, if you are a man or woman who is responsible, if you are a wholesale client, then I am especially interested in you in this season. Uh, and please keep those testimonies coming. They really, really do make what we do worthwhile, especially for me. Alrighty. So let us, what's going on with my device? No, okay, there we go. Awesome, let's try this again. So Chrissy, if you could give me Hebrews chapter five, please. Hebrews chapter five. Hebrews chapter five. And I wanna start to you from verse one. Um, let's know if you can hear us clearly now on YouTube. I heard Facebook was perfect, but for those of you on YouTube, let's know. The Bible says, for every high priest is taken from among men. So for every high priest, sorry, taken from above men, among men, is ordained for men. Someone say for men. In things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? For, he, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. Verse 3 then says, And by reason hereof he ought, meaning he should, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. 
Let's go, Chrissy. Thank you. And no man takes this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. And he said also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek, sorry. Now verse 7, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears, Unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. And was heard in that he feared. That, that's a whole, that will preach all by itself. In that he feared. Verse 8 says, though he were a son, yet he lend obedience by the things which he suffered. Verse 9, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God, a high priest, after the order of Melchizedek. One more scripture. And then we begin to unpack the word tonight. Trust me, tonight's going to be some meat. Simple meat, easy to understand meat, straightforward meat, but meat nonetheless. Nothing complex, but you're going to chew. Chrissy, hit me with John chapter 17, please. John chapter 17. And I want to go from verse 17. Actually, you know what? Let's go from verse 15. John 17, verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Verse 17, he then says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Verse 18. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Now verse 19. When you put verse 19 vis-a-vis -vis verse 17, it's very interesting. It says, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Verse 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And then verse 19 says, And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Now, Christy, could you go to the, um, to the, the lexicon? I want to show everybody what the word sanctify is in Greek and what it means. And if you want a word, if you want a title for my word tonight, you know I don't give them titles usually, but if you want a title for my word tonight, you can call it The Call to Priesthood. The Call to Priesthood. The word sanctify is the Greek word hegiazo. 
from which or from the root word hegios. Now, Christy, could you show them what hegiazo means? So hegiazo is the verb if hegios is the adjective. Hegios means to be holy. Hegiazo means to become. So hegiazo is the process by which a thing becomes hegios. It means to render or acknowledge or to be venerable or hallowed. To separate from profane things and dedicate to God. To consecrate things to God. To dedicate people to God. To purify, to cleanse externally. To purify by expiation means to remove guilt of sin from. To purify internally, listen, by the renewing of the soul. Now let's go to the Strong's definition. To make holy, i.e., meaning that is, ceremonially purify or consecrate, to venerate, to hallow, to be holy or to sanctify. Let's talk. Uh, by the way, we have some assignments tonight. We are going to pray. For people with needs, issues, things, we're going to trust God for the supernatural to break out. We're also going to take a little time to pray for the elections in Nigeria coming on. And then I have some announcements or some updates to give you as to what's going on here in Kingdom Culture. Some very exciting times. I'll also give you, if time permits, a little bit of a summary of the last few weeks of my life and my wrestlings with the Lord. We'll see if we can fit all that into two hours tonight, meaning by nine o'clock I'm planning for us to be done. Uh, but just in case we don't get to some of the other stuff, I wanted to lead straight with the word of the Lord tonight. Uh, by the way, for those of you who were not following a few weeks ago, we're coming to you today from our new embassy building in West London, uh, in the Brentford area. And so you notice that the set is different. Uh, we moved out of our old embassy building on the 6th of January. And like, uh, you know, our tenancy came to an end. And like Israel, God told us, you know, to just move in faith. And so we didn't know where we were going. We we're headed for a city, Tony, whose builder and maker was God. And the Lord came through with the ram and provided us this amazing facility that is just as good. Uh, but we have some good news for you. In addition to the embassy building uh, in West London, God has been awesome to us. And we have now secured, listen, a missions-based hub in the center of London in the area of Holborn, to be precise. Somebody give God a shout of praise. Uh, we are literally, I counted, 40 seconds walk from the Holborn train station. Right, Tony? I, I counted 40 seconds walk from the Holborn tube station in the very center, the center, WC1, the center of London. And from there, we intend to raise a missions base to the Lord. And the question is, what's the difference between the embassy and the missions base? Well, uh, the missions base is where we will be literally carrying out all our ministerial expressions, services, events, counseling, community activities, and all this stuff. And all that stuff, uh, we'll be building a media center there as well. The embassy will be reserved for admin, uh, uh, for also for media facilities, 
and for the back end of the things that we do. And so we are now on the west and in the center. Jesus, make it three for three and give us a place on the east and everything will be balanced. And then if you want to go further, we can have one in the north and one in the south. But, you know, God is doing some amazing things with us as a house and we're excited. Uh, we, uh, I believe that God spoke to me at the start of the year that th the, the securing of that premises would be a prophetic sign that it was time to strike with vigor in this season and so we intend to run and so we'll be sharing with you the details of what we intend to do we'll also be coming to you especially those of you who are kingdom builders partners uh with a vision plan uh, because we're going to need some significant resources to take advantage of all that god has ordained we'll be sending you pictures and videos of the facility and what we want to do with it and we trust that as you answer that macedonian call God will find occasion to bless you beyond measure financially in this season. So the call to priesthood. The word sanctify means in simple English to reckon as belonging exclusively to God. I want to repeat. It means to reckon a thing as exclusively for God's use, control, and ownership. Now, I believe I taught this a year and a half ago at the Quorum, uh, that the Hebrew liturgical system of worship recognized three categories of things. There were things that were unclean. There were things that were common. And there were things that were holy. An unclean thing was offensive to God. Not only, in essence, God, would be, God was adamant that such things were not to be used or interacted with or engaged with by his people. Your interaction with, an, and some things were permanently unclean, some other things were temporarily unclean. If I take that back, there was a fourth category that was sinful because there was sinful, there was unclean, there was common, and there was holy. Sinful meant you would be killed if you or you would be there was a there was a grave punishment for messing with that kind of thing. Uh, unclean meant that God was not happy with you or with that thing in its current state, but you had room to be purified. So, for instance, uh, if you were married and you uh, you so much as hugged your wife while she was on her period, but uh, thank God for the New Testament, Amen. Because according to the Old Testament, a woman on her period was unclean. And you could argue there was a hygienic dimension to that, but I digress. But if as a man you touched or hugged or so much as gave a kiss to your wife in that state, you became unclean. In essence, you could not appear before God. You could not come into the temple. You could not offer sacrifice. In essence, God was saying that in that state, he wanted to have no dealings with you. Now, the beauty about being unclean was you had time or there were things you could do or the passage of time could allow for you to go from being unclean back to clean. Sinful meant instantaneous judgment, if not for repentance. Unclean meant a, a passing of time or a ceremonial process would make you clean. Common meant God was happy with you, but he would share you with the affairs of life. Holy meant this thing or this person was exclusively, exclusively for God's use, ownership, and wielding. 
So for instance, your vessels at home, your plates and your crockery at home were common. You could eat with them, you could share them, you could also use them for Passover meal. When Achan touched the things he did at, at Ai, so at Jericho, the Bible says he touched the accursed thing. That was sinful. In essence, no matter how much time passed, no matter how much washing you did, God was upset with this thing. Does that make sense? And then there were things that were unclean, like I explained to you where the Bible says if, you, if, you know, if, if a member of your family died and you had to move their corpse, you were unclean till the next day. In essence, the, the normal passing of time could make you clean. If you were leprous until or you had a skin disease, uh, until you were healed, you were unclean. Now, when you were healed, you still needed to go to the priest to carry out some sacrifices and do some, some paraphernalic things, and then you would be purified. But the vessels in the temple were holy. They could not be used for anything else. The shoe bread on the altar was holy. It was only for the eating of those who were innocent. There are things, people, and places. The holy of holies was the holy of holies. Only the high priest could go in once a year. And if he went in unclean or sinful, he would die. Now, why did God go through this entire elaborate maze in the Old Testament? It was to teach a very simple process. That God is holy. The things that engage with him and interact with him or that he uses must be holy. And that the closer you got to him, the more sacred the space and the persons to be found in that space. Are you hearing me, somebody? God was teaching us the difference between him and everything else. That was the summary. And so when Jesus shows up in the New Testament, remember Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus says we are called to be kings and priests unto him. And so the believer's job is twofold. He is to be a king. He is to rule on God's behalf in the earth. But he is to be a priest in essence. He is to be a conduit between the spirit realm and the natural realm to represent the earth before God and God before the earth. Now, you're asking what's the difference between being a king and representing God before the earth? There's a difference. A king means he governs on God's behalf in God's stead in essence a king means God has delegated authority to the believer it means there is the room for initiative the room for personal uh uh what's the word I'm looking for now pardon discretion uh, a king means he gives you a remit and he allows you carry out it carried out as you see fit within the confines of his remit a priest is different. A priest means you're supposed to be a hologram. There's no discretion in priesthood. There's no, there's no latitude for, uh, what's what I'm looking for now? There's no latitude for, dis, for, for initiative in priesthood. It, a priest literally means I am God's contemporaneous representation in this sphere right now. There's no autonomy. Uh, uh, it literally means I am acting as God to you, I will also act as you to God. Which is why a high priest could die in the, high, in the Holy of Holies 
on the day of atonement for the sins of his people. Because in priesthood, God sees no difference between the priest and what he represents. And therefore, what he represents should also see no difference between the priest and God. Are you with me, somebody? Let me know in the comment section you're with me. So priesthood is a dangerous thing. It is, it, is, it is not a light thing to be a priest. And that's why God was elaborate in choosing the Levitical priesthood. First of all, he chose the tribe of Levi because they were the ones who stood with him when Israel sinned. When Moses said, who is on the Lord's side in the days of the golden calf? The Bible says the Levite stood with him and therefore, listen, this is part of the job of priesthood. Standing with him meant they had to kill their brethren. When Israel was led into idolatry and fornication by Balaam on, at the behest of Balak, the king of Moab. Uh, uh, Miranda, good to see you. Deborah, good to see you. Padge, good to see you. Gerald, good to see you. The, the Bible says that God was angry and sent a plague until one of the priests, the son of of Aaron his name was Phineas the Bible says that while they were crying out to God for mercy for what they had done in the sight of Israel a man with a name took a woman with the name the Bible names both of them and the Bible says they went into a tent the whole nation is saying God have mercy on us we're sorry please take away the plague for our fornication and our, our cavorting with with women who led us to false gods and then this man has the effrontery to take one such woman into an idolatrous tent and begin to do what only married people should do and the Bible says Phineas takes a spear in the zeal of his heart and listen the Bible says he puts the spear through both the man and woman mid-coitus. And the Bible specifically mentions that the spear pierces through the woman's belly. Now, it, it, this is not a statement about misogyny. It, 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 her gender is irrelevant. What is relevant is she was a representative of a paganistic system that had been co-opted to corrupt Israel. In essence, the priest was the spear and it pursed what her belly out of your bellies will flow rivers of any kind of water living and dead so the spear took out not just the offender it took out the root of the offense and the bible says on that account god's anger was satiated and the plague ceased that's a priest in essence phineas was acting as god phineas was giving god a vessel to do what God could not do by himself because he had delegated that job to humanity. God, there is nowhere in scripture where God removes iniquity from a people. The Bible says, "You in a great house are many vessels. Unto honor, unto this honor. If a man shall therefore, listen, if a man shall therefore purify himself from these things. See, there are things God will not do for you. Purifying you is one of them. It's not God's job. His job is to provide grace. But when it comes to killing the root of rebellion to the systems of God in a life, in a people, in a generation, in a church, in a region... Heaven will not do it for us. It will take a human vessel. And one of the jobs of the priesthood is to be the hologram God can work through to establish what is clean and unclean. The Bible says the, the lips of a priest 
should preserve knowledge. It, it is a priest's job by his actions, his speakings, his, his, his daily activities to draw a line. It's okay, leave it a bit. To draw a line between what heaven is satisfied with and what it is not. Are you with me, somebody? The Bible says that Israel went through a season where everything was tore up from the floor up because there was a few things and one of them, the Bible says, was lacking, was a teaching priest. Can I stop here for a second? Uh, I told you guys this, I think, I think, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the story of how years ago, this was in 2009, so I quit my job to go in full time in 2008 so this would have happened in 2007. Uh, uh, at the start of, in January 2007, the Lord said to me, uh, began to brood on me about the fact that he was calling me out of secular employment into ministry. Now, I'm the, I'm the firstborn of both my parents, father and mother. And if you understand the culture from which I hail, <laughs> at the time I was the only child of both my parents who had successfully commit, completed higher education. Uh, my younger brothers were in university at the time. Uh, I was the only one who had a job, the only one who was earning any kind of income. And not that they needed it, but it is the joy of a parent, especially where I'm from, to see your children begin to rise. As the firstborn, there was a lot of expectation. Okay, and, and so when I tell both my parents that God is calling me to, quote and unquote, be a full-time minister, um, uh, and my dad, by the way, my dad and I are, my dad, other than my wife, my two best friends are my parents. And I mean that. You know, my dad and I are very close. We're very, uh, we love each other so much. We talk on a regular basis. You know, my dad and I are, are awesome. Uh, but, and, and he's, he is my greatest fan. Everywhere I go, I, I, get, I go to places where I meet people. And when they hear my name, they say, are you doctor so-and-so son? I say, yes. Oh, your dad said so much about you. I've had people call me on the phone and say, you don't know who I am, but I met your father and he's so proud of you. And so my dad and I are spectacular and, and he loves what I'm doing now. And he's my greatest fan. But when I first told him, he said, you just went to Nigeria this year or this past year says, I'm sure a witch in the village somewhere must have tampered with your mind. We, we are going to, <laughs> my dad told me he was going to get people and if necessary pay them to fast for me to break this nonsense. Right? Okay. And, 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 and it took almost 18 months to, because I really wanted his blessing and approval. I understood the place of a paternal blessing. Many of you need to understand that God does not violate spiritual principles for you. And one of them is the place of honoring your father and mother. After 18 months, we wrestled and he finally grudgingly accepted. And then he said something to me. He said, son, can I tell you the truth? He said, I've known this was God from the beginning. I said, what do you mean? He says, a few months before you called me to tell me. I didn't call him. I, I had the honor. Listen, some of us need to learn honor. And I'm talking to some people honor i didn't call my dad and tell him i called him and i said can i come and see you i lived in sheffield he lived in great yarmouth i traveled four and a half hours just to tell him because i saw the need for honor many of us need to learn i mean let, let's keep moving may the lord give you understanding anyway and, and 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 he said before you showed up at the house to say that to me he said i had a vision one day while i was driving and god showed me that he, and this was his words that i was supposed to raise for him a priest 
and I saw that that priest was a young man. He says, I suspected it was you, but I tried to bribe God. And my dad said for the next few months, every person he met who was roughly my age, who told him they had a call to ministry, he began to financially support. He would pay for them to go to seminary. In essence, he was, God, you can have every other young man, but leave my son alone. Right? He said, he said so after, after, my, after the initial shock, I knew this was God. He said, but I wanted to test the strength of your conviction to see if this was really something you picked up from God or you just had a passing fancy. And then he said, he, and remember he said, I told God, or God told me that I was raising or supposed to have raised a priest. It was two years ago when God reminded me of that statement. I said, I understand. He said, Lord, he said, son, I didn't say a pastor. I said a what? A priest. A priest. No, it was three years ago now. The COVID year, a priest. That was when God called me back. You know, I used to preach about the days when I'd spend 10 hours a day in prayer. God said, okay, stop preaching about those days. It's time to go back. I said, but Lord, I'm doing this, this, and this, and this, and God, I'm so busy serving you. He says, that's your problem. I don't care how you do it, but I want a quota of prayer per day and a quota where I was wailing when I was surrendering. For those of you who are Levite in kingdom culture. And the delineation here is, the Bible talks about a teaching priest, not a priestly teacher. Our generation is upside down because we have gotten that scripture upside down. We have teachers that try to be priestly. No, God says, I want people who are first priests who happen to teach. In essence, your teaching should be the overflow of your priestly experience. And I've defined a priest in the past. Amongst other things, a priest is a custodian of an altar. And an altar is a nexus point where two worlds meet. An altar is the licensed breakout spot for a divine entity to find expression in the earth. And for that altar to be properly technologically correct, there must be a sacrifice or a, a system of sacrifice, and there must be a human custodian, a priest, who is the licensed transactionist of that deity's desires from the earth realm. When you have people who preach, who are not first priests, in essence, when you have people who are attempting to be priestly teachers, as opposed to those who are teaching priests, you end up with the calamity we have in our generation. And I'm not just talking about those of us who claim to be pastors. Because in the New Testament, the Bible says we are all called to be priests. Hear me. The primary ministry of the believer is to be a priest. The very word saint in the Old Testament, Kadishi or Prova Kedushim, in the, in the Greek of the New Testament is Hegios.
holy, set apart. When you were born again, you were indoctrinated into a Melchizedek order. See, you don't grow into it. You don't graduate into it. You don't, you're not called into it. Your salvation is your calling. Who am I talking to? And of course, you know that part of the New Testament priestly ministry is prayer. But today I want to dance around prayer. Because many of us only hear prayer and we go, oh, it's called not. No, relax. When I explain to you the real remit of priesthood, you will see why you need prayer to be a priest. It is not prayer that makes you a priest. Or should I say prayer is not, prayer is the means to the end of the priestly assignment. So being a priest is not completely and totally understood by being called to pray. But you will understand that you cannot accomplish your priestly responsibility without prayer. Does that make sense? So prayer becomes the sentence of the New Testament priest. Because when you understand your job, you will see how insufficient you are. You will run to God on your knees in prayer. But secondly, you will also understand that prayer is the weapon, the technology by which you carry out your priestly. Let's put it this way. Being a soldier is not a calling to shoot. But you cannot accomplish your assignment as a soldier without shooting. Does that make sense? Nobody gets called into the army to shoot. You get called to defend the territorial integrity of your nation. Or sometimes, aka Russia, to extend the territorial integrity of your nation. So, if you say, well, you know, I'm, I'm called to be a soldier, I'm called to shoot. No, you're not called to shoot. You're called to engage in warfare to defend or extend the sovereignty of your nation. However, you will soon find out that you cannot defend or extend the sovereignty of your nation if you don't have a weapon. So the weapon now becomes a natural byproduct of the... So you will fight, you will, you will go and learn to shoot. Does that make sense? You will spend hours at the shooting range, long range, short range. You will become a sniper because you understand you'll be a casualty of war if you can't shoot. The shooting is what we call prayer. But prayer is a means to an end in the priestly assignment. So what is the primary assignment of the priest? I'm glad you asked. It is to be holy. And by holy, I don't mean sinless. Sinlessness is a dimension of holiness. But holiness is not sinlessness. Holy means completely hegiazod. It means set apart for God. You've graduated from sinful to unclean to common to holy. It means this individual has been completely set apart. They are so separate from the reality of everyday life that God can claim complete jurisdiction over them. Now, somebody's saying, oh, so you mean I should quit my job and leave my, my duties as a spouse or a parent and just lock myself in a room 
and just no. No. That's why we started with John 17. Chrissy, can we go back to John 17 for the people, please? John 17 from verse 13. So verse 15, sorry. Let's do 14. John 17, verse 14. The Bible says, I've given them thy word. So Jesus is talking here. I've given them your word. You know, and kingdom culture, let me say this. Um, by the end of this year, 2023, Tony, I will be able to confidently say, I have given them thy word. I told you guys in December 2019 that I was working with the curriculum. I'm almost done. Heaven and I have had conversations. And while I'm not perfect, I'm almost done. By the end of 2023, if you are a part of this family, either a physical part or you're part online, you're from a different nation, you connect online. You know, I keep meeting some of you in person. I met someone today who I've only ever connected with online. They're actually in the studio right now. And it gladdens my heart every time. But by the end of this year, I will be discharged of my burden. Everything I do from 2024 onwards will be to build and to deploy. And so I would, if I was you, I would go back over every single sermon I have preached since December 2019. And the beauty is they are all on YouTube. They're all on this channel. I've given them thy word. And the world has hated them. There's a colon there. In essence, Tony, the world, the cosmos, the system of, of, of life, of reality. We're not talking about unbelievers here now. You need to understand. Chrissy, let's look at that word world. All right, I've got 13 minutes left to preach before we begin to pray. Show them the word world. World, sorry. World, world. Cosmos. Let's look at what the word, because when we hear world all the time, we think about unbelievers. So we think it means unbelievers. And so Christians justify our stupidity sometimes by saying that the world is supposed to hate us, right? The world is supposed to hate us. No, it's not talking about people hating you. Now, of course, people who refuse to divest themselves of what will hate you. But it means a hapt and a harmonious arrangement of constitution, order, government. In essence, the system that governs a reality. Keep scrolling down, Chrissy. Aha. Go up a little bit. Tony, it means when God begins to introduce his word, it will contradict the common sense reality of how the system outside his kingdom works. It is the system that will hate you. Many times it will find human expression, but it, that's why the Bible says we rest not against flesh and blood. Something will fight. See, whenever, we can go back, Chrissy, to the scripture, whenever a people begin to receive the logos, the word, not just the preaching, the logos means the concept of God's reality. In essence, the introduction of a reality, of the seed of God's reality, will trigger warfare. The Bible says the sower went to sow. 
and some sea fell by the wayside, some fell on thorns. The ones that fell in thorns, the Bible says, were the cares of, the Bible says these things came for the sake of the word. Tony, whenever God begins to install the system of heaven in a life or a people, they can sign up for warfare. Go and buy a helmet. When God picks on you and says, I'm going to introduce my ways, my mind. I want to use you for an agenda. And I will, the Bible says nothing was created without the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Maria uh, But in him was life. And the life, listen, was the light of men. So when you say it is my season of Boka, God, the entrance of his word brings light. Expect the system you are being introduced into to fight you. Let's go back, Chrissy. Think it not strange. The, expect the atmosphere. Expect the unseen realm to focus its attention. See, I'm going to be of what avatar way of the water. Okay, you know the, the, the response of quote-unquote air, you know, demonic system. But anyway... Where when, 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 when external entities enter the forest, where the forest begins to fight them by sending organisms against them. Okay, that's what happens when God drops a man into the system of the world that he has given his word. Why would the word fight you? The world fight you because the entrance of God's word means that you are no longer of it. You have now been disconnected from the matrix. Expect the matrix to expect the agents to come for you. Agent Smith. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Listen now, listen. But we're not going, we're not going to take them out of the world. So it doesn't mean you have to quit your job or divorce your spouse or give your children up for adoption. This system is designed to work while you are in the system, just not of it. So listen, Tony, I love my wife, but I'm not of the system of the world when it comes to romance. I'm not married to her for the reason everybody else is married to a wife. We're all married, but my own marriage serves a different purpose than the average marriage. I am in the world of marriage. I am not of it. So my KPIs as a husband. See, so if my wife were to judge me by the men she watches on romantic movies, romantic movies and books, she'll be disappointed. The same way if I were to judge her by the women I watch on TV and watch in, 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 uh, in the world around me, I too will be disappointed. We are, of, we are in the world. We're married. We're not of the world. Does that make sense? Our value system is not the same. Do we love each other? Yes. Are we romantically connected? Yes. But there is a higher purpose. In essence, we are priests. Marriage is simply our temple. So we came into that institution with a higher purpose in mind. Chris, let them see my face. And that's why the Bible says don't be unequally yoked. Because if you came into marriage as a priest and your spouse came into marriage to be a, to be a bay or a boo, you will fight. <laughs> oh, that's what it means to be unequal. Of course, an unbeliever is, from, is by default unequally yoked. But you can marry a Christian 
who is unequally yoked with you. Because they came to marriage for the gratification of their emotional needs. And you came in to be a priest. You will not, oh, it won't work. Now, does it mean you can't gratify your needs? No. God will use marriage, but you must have the priority in order. What, Ataniaka, what altar was this union designed to service? What's my role in my wife or my husband? What is the reason for our home existing? Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Those other things, listen, will be added, means you won't start with them. You don't add something that already exists. It means there will be a season where the thing does not seem to be there. But don't worry, God will add it. And whatever the word, the Bible says, whatever the Lord does, it shall be forever. If you wait for God to add it, it will last. If you design it yourself, it will fail. If you build a home on priesthood, God will add romantic bliss. If you pursue romantic bliss, it will elude you. That's just one example. Secondly, I have children, Tony. But if, if you, th so for instance, if a grandparent tells now, my, my, my parents did not. But let's assume my mom said what most African moms say. Uh -uh, I'm getting old now. You two are getting old now. When are you going to give me grandchildren now? See, she would have been wrong. Because I'm not becoming a parent for the emotional gratification and societal exaltation. To say, me too, I have children. So I can raise them so when I'm old, they can. No, I'm having, parent, I'm having children, sorry, as a priest. My fatherhood is an extension of my priesthood. So those two boys are my altar. They are my temple. They are my tabernacle. Does that make sense? My, so they are my legacy to the world. My, uh, their primary purpose, or my primary purpose as a father is to shoot them. The Bible says children are arrows in the hands of the mighty. I'm supposed to shoot them into a generation. Does that make sense? When I look at a world that is degraded, I, I say I have two arrows. And, and also I have more than two because as a spiritual parent, I have several. Amen. So as a pastor, and I'm getting deeper now, my job is not to build a big congregation. Would it be nice? Oh, yes. Have I been there before? Yes. And if, God, if I heard God correctly this last three weeks, I'm going back. Does that make sense? The Lord would have me know, Tony, in this season. That's why I told you that building in Holborn was a prophetic sign. I said, God, if you are speaking correctly, do this within 24 hours. And he did. 24 hours from when I asked for that sign, the keys arrived. So in this season, don't get it twisted and say, wow, Reverend Israel, Apostle Israel, oh yes, okay. So, you know, kingdom culture is growing and it's big and there's thousands of people in London and thousands in Sheffield and that's good. But that's not the assignment of being a pastor or a shepherd. That's the added. The assignment is those 5,000 people every Sunday, Tony, are arrows. That I can shoot into society. That as I teach, as I preach, as I counsel, as I rebuke, as I love, as I, as I cheer on, as I encourage through the seasons of life, right? God is building a counter-narrative in a generation. Does that make sense? It, 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 so so I, you, you, I, I am in the world. Don't get me wrong. So 
Pastor, your church should grow because you are in the world of church. But you are not of that world. The job of a priest. Yes, Gerald, your KPIs as a husband. Yes. Your, your, your job as a priest, listen, Tony, is to be so separate from what you are a part of that heaven can find expression through you. Your second job is to be touched by the feelings of the infirmity of what you are a priest to. Chrissy, what's the no about? I'm, I'm just seeing your no. What did I say that you're saying no to? <laughs> it means I need to conduct my affairs in a manner that one, God can, because God will share his glory with nothing of the flesh. So heaven must find an entity that is separate enough to be wielded correctly, but connected, listen, to the needs of its constituency. And here is the dichotomy of a priest, Tony. You have to be 100% gods and 100% the peoples. That's the dichotomy. You must be separate enough to be functionally equivalent to the people as God. Meaning that when you deal with people, God is dealing with them. Or the environment you're sent to. Or the system, because some people are, are priests to systems and to regions. But you also have to be emotionally connected with what you are a priest to. That you are functionally equivalent to God as the people. In essence, when God sees you, he sees the people. And when the people see you, they see God. Or when God sees you, he sees the region. And when the region sees you, it sees God. Or when God sees you, he sees the system or the industry. And when the system or the industry sees you, they, it sees God. And Tony, I learned the last 13 years, 14 now, of being a preacher, going into my 14th year of being, being a pastor. It's, this year will be 23 years of preaching and ministry. It will be 33 years of salvation. And it will be 2000 and it will be 13 years of leading kingdom culture. Isn't it interesting? Was it for, no, 14? 2009? 2000, yeah, this will be 14. So uh, my work with God went in roughly 10-year increments. 10 years after I got saved, I was called to ministry. 10 years after I was called to ministry, I became a shepherd. And I didn't realize until this past week, Tony, that I was in a curriculum. This past three weeks, I was in a curriculum. Because the induction is bidirectional, is bi, is bivalent. God must train you to represent him. But he must also train you, listen, to represent the people. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 5, Chrissy. I'm almost done. 
Hebrews chapter 5. Let's go up. Start from verse 1 again. Every high priest taken from among men. So Tony, if you are not a man, you don't qualify to be a priest. And when God is preparing a priest, he will first deal with him in manner that make him sensitive to the reality of the people, region, or system he's called to be a priest to. You don't qualify to be a priest to something you were not taken from. And this is how many people derail their priestly training. So for instance, husbands, oh, I'm the priest of my home. God taught me the hard way, Tony. I can't be the priest of a home if I'm not first a brother to my wife. We must first be equivalent before I can be a priest. The office is what gives me the leadership role. But the essence is identical. In essence, if I am superior to you as a person, I cannot be your priest. My qualification to be your priest is that we find equivalence in essence. And then the grace and office of God takes me to a higher place. And listen, he's ordained for men. Listen. For men. So, priest and king of God, I ask you, Tony, what were you ordained as a priest for? Why were you saved? Why did you not die the day you came to salvation? Whether it's your family, your region, your... There is something, someone... Chrissy, no, man as in human, not gender. Ordained for men, as in human, not gender, male or female. So, Tony... The call to being a believer is a responsibility for something else other than you. He's ordained for men. Listen, you don't have a destiny divorced of someone else's need. God, I want to know my purpose. You're, you're literally asking God, whose life and pain was I designed as the answer to? Listen, and it is the pursuit of destiny. Hear me. If you're a young, well, when I say young, you could be old. If you, but if you are a preacher who thinks you're not too old to take counsel from this young boy, listen to me. See, my mentors, my fathers in the faith tell me from time to time that they listen to my sermons and it blesses them. I'm humbled. I, I am humbled. So if those men who are, many of them biologically old not to be my father and mother, if they are blessed and you think it's beyond you, I apologize. But anybody who thinks that I have anything of value to say, it is the pursuit of destiny outside this understanding that is partially responsible for the we have in the church today we have men who have ascended into a calling divorced of the understanding of priesthood so when god wants to spare you that tragedy that tragedy tony he will orchestrate pain along the way because pain as we see in this chapter 
is the process by which God grounds a priest in his humanity and compassion for what he's priest for. The Bible says Jesus was touched by the feelings of our infirmities, tempted in every way. The word tempted doesn't mean enticed to sin. It means afflicted. Therefore, he can now be the author of eternal salvation. So if, if it was good enough for Jesus, it would be good enough for you and me. So I want you to take stock of your life's pain up until now. What does it have to say about your priestly assignment? Please, let's go back. Let's keep going. And the priest is designed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Two separate things. So, you cannot be a priest without a gift. And the Bible says we are all called to be priests. So, hear me, child of God. Every one of us, help me with the keys, Tony. Every one of us has a gift. There is no giftless believer. The difference is we define gifts as spectacular things. The Bible talks, for instance, call me about the gift of helps. Being able to arrange a table and serve food, according to the Bible, is a gift. And the Bible says every good and perfect gift is from the Father of light. So, if, it, if, 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 God, if it is a gift, God gave it. If God gave it, it's important. But we only think of gifts as healing. Let's take it down in the stream a little bit. The keys. As healing. Or let, well, liaise with Chrissy, she'll tell you whether it's too loud or not. As healing, deliverance, prophecy, word of knowledge. And to the glory of God, I've, I've seen these things a few, you know, here and there. You guys know, right? But... I have learned that, eh, no, it's not, it's not about that. He's to offer. So, Tony, your gift as a priest is the first thing you offer. And it is the lack of offered gifts responsible, again, partially, for the damage in the body. We have men and women who have gifts they did not offer to God. Gifts from God that have been co-opted for self-aggrandizement. That's why a man can say, if you don't talk, I will stop. And people say, prophesy. That, that, that's a gift that has not been offered. No, it's not been offered. Prophesy. Some people can say, if you don't bring a prophet offering, they won't speak over your life. You're a charlatan. Stop using scripture. You're, you're a hungry man. You, you're, 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 you're a hireling. You're a professional. You're not, no. If God ever sent you, you missed your way a long time ago. Yes, you, you need deliverance. You need to find your way back to the foot of the cross. Naked you came, naked will you return. Freely you receive, freely you should give. But then many of them believe they paid for their gift. It's a pyramid scheme. 
they had to sow a seed. They believed for the gift. Too. So they sowed a seed to the master prophet who prayed for them. And so now they, they need to recoup their investment from their people. God deliver us. You offer to your gift, but you also offer your sacrifice. Right now, I'm offering my gift. My, my, my teaching ministry, my preaching ministry, right? My counseling ministry. And, and to the glory of God, it works beyond just church. It works for people's businesses, people's, you know, this gift that you see working now works in the boardroom. It works in strategy meetings. It works in directing organizations. But that's me offering my gift. But I must also offer my sacrifice. Which means God will ask for a regulation of my life. There are things Tony may be able to do, I can't. There are things Tony can get away with, I cannot. And vice versa, because. They, and, and, and God will usually ask for something. The, see, the reason why Tony can do it is to Tony, it's not a sacrifice. If God were to ask Tony for it, Tony would give it up very easily, which is why he's not asking for it. But he knows to me this thing is a sacrifice. And so it is the duality of offering up my gift and my sacrifice that qualifies, let's go back, that qualifies me to be a priest in the pursuance of God's agenda to people. Now listen, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? Listen, for that he himself is also, not was also, is also, meaning for a priest, your infirmity never leaves. In fact, you are only as good a priest as you are constantly conscious of your insufficiency. Let me wrap up. I'll continue next week. Uh, is somebody getting blessed? I'll continue next week. Chris, let's go down. Let's go down. Let's go down. Let's go down. Uh, let's jump so I can, I can land this today. No man takes his honor to himself. In essence, you cannot ordain yourself a priest to something. You are a priest to something. Listen, but you don't choose what you're a priest to. You know, because you like Tony's priesthood. Well, listen, verse 7, verse 7, look at this. So, the priest says, listen, verse 7, in the days of his flesh, so I told you prayer is the, if you understand this thing, you will pray. When he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, listen, though he were a son, yet he learned obedience. Someone say obedience. And I'm not talking about the Nigerian election. I'm going to talk about that in a second. I know there's an obedience movement, but that's not what I'm talking about. He learned obedience, listen, by the things that he suffered. Listen, Tony, you will pray. Prayer will not exempt you from going through things. Prayer will condition your heart and spiritual environment to respond correctly to the dealings of the things you will go through. See, this lie, and if I have been inadvertently part of perpetuating it, I repent. 
that a man of prayer will live beyond Nalai. No, it's not true. Prayer doesn't exempt you. Prayer conditions you. Because in God's economy, it is the things you suffer that teach you obedience. Not intellectual obedience, but that work alignment, work surrender. So when a priest goes through difficulties, his, answer, his question must be, God, what area of my life are you working alignment in? Because it is the things I suffer by which I will learn. Learn. Someone say learn. Obedience must be learned. Learned. In essence, it is, no priest is born obedient. So if you are struggling with alignment, relax. None of us. See, see, I know some of us like to talk as though the moment God says yes, we say amen. Now lie. All of us went through a process. And most of us are still going through that. Does that make sense? So think it not strange when your flesh begins to fight the demands of God. That is the entire purpose of the circumstances heaven permits. He learned obedience. Now let's go back to John 17. As we close, as we begin to pray. Listen, and please don't run. I've got some announcements to make after we're done praying. John chapter 17. And we're going to be praying for needs as well. John 17 from verse 7. Let's go to verse 8. Let's go to verse 7. Verse 7. So verse 8. John 17 verse 8. I have given them the words you gave me. Now, this is the priest. Now, this is the man who has qualified to be a priest. I've given them the words you gave me. And they received them, listen, and have known that I came from you and they believe that you sent me. This is the outworking of a priest's responsibility. If you are a priest to an unsaved family member, the man should look at you and acknowledge you came from God. Over time, he should observe that this man, this one is my brother, but he's different. This is my wife, but she's different. This is my dad, but there should be something about your reality that tells them, and again, you can only accomplish that by prayer. No amount of preaching can, see, hear me, I've learned the hard way, Tony. What I say is irrelevant. People become what I am. People become what I am. People become what I what? What I am. Okay. Now let's let's look at this. Let's look at these two verses. Look at verse 19. Verse 17 and verse 19, sorry. Verse 17 says, listen, listen, verse 17 says, Jesus says, I want you to sanctify them, meaning make them priests too. Through your truth. It means, Tony, that the assignment of the word of God is to make a priest out of you. When God begins to wrestle with you from his word, it's not to give you stuff. And that's why the word doesn't work for many of us. Because we are using it as a selfish tool outside its designed intention. The avid believer sees the word of God as a Santa hamper. They see it as a means for receiving their desires. 
So, oh, I want a husband. Then you go and you write all the scriptures that talk about every woman having a mate. I want a wife. Every, you know, blah, blah, blah. I want a child. None shall be barren. True. But if you approach it from that perspective, you've missed it. And that's why for many of us it doesn't work. Remember, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and every other thing shall be added. Those are the fringe benefits of the word. But the Bible says, God's word will not return to him void. Meaning the job of the word is to bring you back to him. And remember, he's holy. And between holy and sin, there is unclean and common. So when God speaks his word, either in the Bible or a prophetic word, when God tells you you're called to be a prophet to the nations, it's not for you, hey, I'm called to be a prophet. To no, 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 no. See, see, you will become a prophet to the nations as the byproduct of the words doing its job. The word will then come and find you in your arrogant, proud, self-aggrandizing self. And it will drag you back to God. It will find you either in sin or in uncleanliness. It will pull you into commonness and then pull you into holiness. Your behavior will line up when you are holy. But you won't be holy because your behavior lines up. You'll be holy because that word has wrestled with your mind and brought you, thank you Tony, into a state that is God-focused. Let's go back, Chrissy. So, the job of the word of God is to delete your other allegiances till you are no longer sinful, no longer unclean, and no longer common. It is to... Lord, give me utterance. It is... Thank you, Holy Spirit. It is to refine you till you become a vessel in the temple. He says, sanctify them by your word. Hear me. In this season of Bukhar, Stop using the prophecy to try and shape your life to what you want to see. Use it for God to shape you to what he wants to see and watch what your life does in response. The things you are chasing are chasing the priest. The priest, as I'll show you next week, became God's responsibility. He didn't need to work. People brought money to his feet. He had supernatural. Does that make sense? The, the priest was, the priesthood was the first kingship in Israel. There are, Tony, I saw many of us, including myself, saying, but God, but you said, God said, yes, I said. The job of the word was not to produce the thing. It was to produce the you. The you will attract the thing. Well, look at verse 19 as I close. The same man who said, sanctify them through their truth said, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself. In essence, the word will have no effect on the person if the deliverer of the word themselves is not sanctified. 
Like I said, pe people don't become what you say. They become what you are. Jesus said, I want your word to sanctify them, but for your word to sanctify them, I have to sanctify myself. In essence, I have to set myself apart. Hear me. Parents, you can teach your children to be good all you want. If you are not sanctified, your instruction carries no weight. And I'm not talking about Ten Commandments sin. The fact that you are not sinful doesn't mean you are holy. There's two steps in between. There is unclean and there is common. The Bible says, be holy. In essence, when my entire reality is set aside for God's agenda, then the, the subject of my priesthood will see transformation. Many of us are at risk of nations, regions, listen, and biological families cursing us in eternity if we don't submit to the Hegiazo principle I'm showing you. Next week, I will show you that Adam and Eve were designed to be priests. That was the job in Eden. The Bible tells them to keep the garden and to tend it, to, 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 keep, to work it and keep it. The exact same Hebrew words used when the priest was, was, was instructed to keep and tend the temple. There is a special benefit package in 2023 for priests. And like I said, prayer is only a part of it. Prayer is the natural response when you have the mindset of a priest. It means I am set apart. In essence, I am in a system that I'm not designed to be a part of. But I'm in it. And so I can't engage this system with the same mindset of everybody else. Listen, Tony, you don't go to work because you need money. If you're, see, if you're work, if you if you if you're at your job because it's how you, if you think you're working to make a living, you've missed it. You're not there because you want to get a paycheck. You're there because you're a priest. You're in the industry because you're a priest. The money is secondary. That may be the channel God uses to pay your bills today. But try God and see. You will see that He doesn't need that salary. Just give away that salary for a whole month and see, and see God surprise you. So you're, you're, you're an employee. You're in the world, but you're not of it because you're a priest. You're a priest of Yahweh. Your job is to represent God to the system and represent the system. In essence, God should spare your industry because of you. But your industry should look at you and see a superior wisdom and power. Twenty twenty three saints. In essence, this is the concept of government through the lens of priesthood. God is about to surprise some of us. Stand with me wherever you are if you can. Let's pray. Lift up your voice and pray in the Holy Ghost. There is about to be an unveiling of kingly priests after the order of Melchizedek. He was the king of Salem and the priest of God. He was the king of Salem, a region where everything was as it should be. Salem. But he was the priest of God. There is about to be an emergence in this house, hear me, 
of a people the kind of which the world has never seen before. God is about to surprise you with the you that's about to emerge. But the, 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 the requirement, he says, is the mindset of priesthood. Priesthood, 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 priesthood. Like I said, prayer is part of it. Prayer is a natural response when you have the mindset. You cannot be a priest and not pray. But praying by itself doesn't qualify you to be a priest. It means you see your existence. But hear me. It also means you see yourself as God's responsibility. Tony, I cannot suffer poverty when I'm a priest. Because I wake up in the morning and I understand that I am God's responsibility. Since I'm, in essence, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not working, I'm a working McDonald's, but I'm there because I'm a priest. So my, 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 my income flow cannot be according to McDonald's. My God must supply my needs according to his riches in glory. So where I work is irrelevant. I didn't move to London because I was told that ministries do better in London. No. So if God moves me to Abakaliki in the hinterland of, 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 of Eastern Nigeria, I will see the exact same results as anybody in Lagos or London or Tokyo. Oh, Because I'm a priest to the region. I, so, so when God is rewarding all his priests, listen, see, when you work for a multinational company, they don't pay you half salary because you work in a different city. If you work for Shell, you get paid in dollars in Nigeria. They don't care where you live. They don't ask you what the house rent is. You get paid according to your responsibility. Many of us are complaining about our remuneration package. And heaven is saying, we've not seen you at your desk for a while. God tells Abraham, or God, Bible says, see, Bible says, I can't do this thing without talking to Abraham. Why? He's the priest. He's in charge of that land, right? He then says, and he will command his household after him. Meaning he's not just a priest to Canaan. He's a priest to his family. The Bible says that the Lord may bring upon him all he has spoken. So Abraham's blessing was contingent on him being a good father. Hear me. And many of us are praying and crying and say, Lord, bless my ministry. Bless my business. God says, I will bless it when you show up as a priest in your home. Does it make sense that raising my family correctly because God is not rewarding the effort in the place you want results. He's rewarding your responsibility as a priest in the entireties of his assignment. God told Abraham, in your family will all the nations of the earth be blessed. In essence, Abraham, if you don't raise a family that can bless the nations, you have failed. So God's blessing upon Abraham was not contingent on Abraham's prayer for a blessing or Abraham's struggle in that area it was contingent upon abraham accepting his priestly duties and god said because you have been a good priest i will bless you see for everyone who like me to start this year demanded an audience with god to complain about what we saw 
I put to you, God may be asking you and saying, I know you're focused on this, but can we discuss your priesthood as Yaka? Pastor, I know you want your church to grow, but God is saying, when last did you pray for the city, for the city alone? Not when last did you command the city to release resources and people to you? No, that's not priesthood. Because when you're praying for yourself, it's no longer priesthood, right? A priest is for something else. So, so you're allowed to pray for yourself, yes. But your office as a priest means above more than you. So your prayer for, for, for the city to bless and release your ministry to grow is not priesthood. It's valid. It must be prayed. It's not priesthood. Priesthood is what, how much time do you spend praying for the city outside what you want to see? Does it make sense that as you give yourself to God's desire for the region, every other thing will be added? Including the members and the numbers and the resources you so desire. But the Bible says they will be added. Meaning there will be a season they are not there. God will add them. Now, to add, you add something to something that's already there. So what will be there is the priesthood. The seeking of his kingdom. And then God will add to that what you want. So God is saying, until you give me what I want, you have no right to demand what you want. Someone say, I was going to speak Gerald's language. Shikina. It means simples. Straightforward. Lift up your voice and say, Lord, I surrender. Open your mouth. Say, Lord, open your mouth and, and declare, declare, declare. That in this season, you are ready to give in, give in, give in, give in to the demand. See, now you understand why God wants you to pray. The prayer is a byproduct of the responsibility to be a priest. Come on, open your mouth and pray. Shaka ponante fetiakwa. Shebeleko riataila bumbreketeata. God, give me grace in this season to sanctify myself on behalf of something other than me a family, a region, a nation, if you're a leader, a congregation. Children, a spouse. Retaila to man quetapia. Ale bomante vetua. Leko babia toria kaila buza badua. What are fathers and mothers? Ibo. Do you intercede for the fashion ministry, fashion industry? Forget intercede. Are you? Do you have a burden for it? Do you? Do you see? Or, 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 or are you just interested in people buying your stuff, in people liking your social media context uh, content? See, so why alavobia? Why should heaven add influence in a system that you do not first see yourself as a priest to? La cobiata. So take, so take the gain up for me, please, music. Just a little bit. What does a system owe you in the spirit to which you do not see yourself as a priest? 
Oh, somebody is changing their mindset. Somebody is about to shine in the season of the Abokar. Because this simple thing. Salakobiata. Kabobiata Vatia. Why should a city celebrate your gift as a minister if you do not have a burden for it as a priest? Why should a wife honor you? Why should a husband love you? Why should children obey you? Why should parents not provoke you God let the oil of priesthood come upon my life in this season let the oil of priesthood come upon my life in this season see hear me by the spirit Take, 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 take the volume down a little bit, Tony. Hear me, hear me, see. People aren't foolish. <laughs> and neither is God. No, the, the game, sorry, the game. Down, 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 completely. To the minimum, down completely. And then down there as well. Kaliyavatiyate. When you study the Levitical order, you study the book of Leviticus. You can do that quickly, please. Thank you. When you study the book of Leviticus, there is a very elaborate provision made. Listen, a very elaborate system for the provision and the significance of a priest. The two things God makes provision for. For the priest's well-being, meaning food, clothing, shelter, and for his honor and significance in the eyes of the people. Kingdom culture, I'm telling you, in 2020, listen to your pastor. I have wrestled with God so that you may not have to wrestle as long as I did. I'm telling you what heaven said when I complained. Tony, in this season, heaven is saying, I will respond with provision and honor to the degree to which you embrace your priestly assignment. You want to prosper? Be it. Now, please don't do it because you want to prosper and be honored. That, that already has defiled the understanding. But I'm saying is that if, you're, if you see yourself as holy, meaning I don't exist for what I can get from life, emotionally, psychologically, romantically, physically, biologically, whatever, I exist as holy unto the Lord, right? God says, I will reimburse your priesthood with provision and significance slash honor. God told the people, when you want to offer me a sacrifice, take it to the priest. This section belongs to the priest. There are things only a priest can eat and only a member of the priest household. If the priest's daughter marries out of her father's house she can't eat those holy things anymore unless her husband dies or she gets divorced and comes back to live with him 
in essence, there is an economy for priests that is different from the normal economy. Are you hearing me? Now, I want us to carry out a priestly assignment tonight. I want us to pray for the nation of Nigeria. Before we do that, Chrissy, help me put up the offering details. At any point during the service you want to give, the details will be on the screen very briefly before they are removed. They're also in the description of this video. And so we don't want to interrupt this as we begin to pray. Because we are about to pray for a nation. We are about to pray for a nation that is about to walk into a generational date this weekend. You, those of you who know me would have been surprised that I have not said anything publicly, prophetically about this Nigerian election. Trust me, I have tried, but the Lord has restrained me every time. And I learned years ago that warned to the prophet who speaks when his master has not instructed him to speak. The fact that God tells you something doesn't mean he wants you to say publicly. And heaven told me that my assignment concerning this matter would start after the election. That shocked me. Uh, my wife would tell you I had planned to be in Nigeria this week. I told my mother, I told my friends, my brother, Reverend Austin, Reverend Gideon, that I was going to be in Nigeria this week. But heaven would not allow me go. And when I said, Lord, what's going on? Heaven said, relax. This, your, your job starts after the election. But this is the one thing I've been permitted to say. I will share some things after. And, and for everybody says, oh, well, you're waiting for the results to come on. I don't care if you feel that way. Does that make sense? Um, the prophetic is about predicting results. So I, I gain nothing. Oh, yeah, you know, for what purpose? That's, that's, that's not a priest. That's a self-serving child in the prophetic the prophetic is not predictive it is creative but this is the one thing the Lord has instructed me to speak actually two things 1A and 1B the first thing he said was son tell my people to pray that I take the decision out of their hands He said, this is so significant. And he says, I'm not just talking about the person who wins the presidency, he says. Nigeria is in a valley of decision. And he said, tell my people to pray that I take the decision out of their hands and I enforce my will in this season. The second thing he said to say was, or he said to say was, tell them to pray that there are covenant angelic beings that have been assigned to Nigeria for generations that have been dormant, that this is their season to engage. And as I began to speak, as I began to pray this afternoon, so it's about 10 to 11 a.m., 11 a.m. in the morning, uh, I saw a demonic being suspended in the heavens. I'd seen it before. The spirit that governs demonic activities in Nigeria. Huge thing. And it was there, you know, beating its chest. Proud, arrogant, defiant. 
And then I saw an eagle fly, very small eagle. Now, now the eagle was a normal sized eagle, but the, the bean was about a hundred times bigger than an eagle. So when the eagle flew, it looked tiny. And the beast laughed at the eagle and said, what, 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 what have you come to do? And began to attack it. And then I saw a second eagle and a third eagle and a fourth and a fifth. And I saw at least roughly around about a hundred. And that's why I know the eagle was a hundred times smaller than the beast. Because I saw what I believed in my spirit to be roughly a hundred eagles. And together, that hundred eagles formed a formation. And each of them began to peck at a side of the beast. Bites the hands and legs. In essence, the, 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 the bean was swarmed by a flock of eagles. And as they began to pull it apart, it literally exploded into this ball of light. And the Lord said, no, I asked and I said, Lord, I've never seen this before. I've seen demonic battles over territories before. Never this. And God said, yes. God said, any other way, this being will just move country. Because if you displace it in prayer, it will move to another African nation. He said, this has to be destroyed. And he told me that that explosion of light was a signal across the entire African continent that would spark a similar chain reaction. He said, but tell them, listen, that this goes beyond the result of the election on Saturday. The election is a marker for a season of dealings that I have ordained for a nation. The symbol of Nigeria is the eagle. The eagle is also the symbol of the believer. In essence, God is I'll go into that next week. Let's pray for Nigeria. Or later on this week, let's pray for Nigeria. By the way, tomorrow at 7 p.m., I'm going to be at the altar with whoever's leading it. We're going to be praying for Nigeria. I'm going to lead about half of the time praying for Nigeria, both tomorrow and Friday. And also the press is back on Friday as well. We had the press this week on Tuesday. Please show them the fly of the press, 11 p.m. UK time every Tuesday and Friday. We pray for, for we, we, we pray, get so many prayers. This week, in addition to the other things, we will be crying out to God to visit Nigeria in this hour. Open your mouth and pray. Say, Lord, take the decision out of our hands. Oh, there's things I wish I could say, but I don't want to say them and get in trouble with God. But let's just say God has a plan that goes beyond the election. <laughs> God has a plan, he showed me, that goes beyond Saturday. God is going to remove human intervention from his plan for Nigeria. God is about to do something that man cannot mess up concerning Nigeria. Say, Father, take the decision out of our hands. Sovereignly enforce your will on our nation. Do it in a way that cannot be challenged. Do it in a way that cannot be gainsaid. Do it in a way that cannot be waylaid. Judge the stoutness of the hearts of men. We activate angelic beings, covenant emissaries concerning the nation of Nigeria. Our fathers dealt with them. Now it is time for them to show their strength on our behalf. Aguela, Aguela, Aguela. 
Nigeria, hear the word of the Lord. Take the music up. Nigeria, hear the word of the Lord. Your time of visitation is nigh. Giant of Africa. Nozzle. Trigger, sorry, of the continent. This is the ordain, the time to favor Nigeria. The said time has come and it goes beyond the result of a presidential election. Father, I know last year you told me, Lord, that we were behind schedule in the curriculum. That we were not ready for this moment. So we ask for grace. <laughs> Hear me by the Spirit. Take it down just a tiny bit. I said last year, roughly in June, I gave a prophetic word. I was taking a walk with the Lord and He began to speak to me about the, the concept of spiritual avatars. Remember, Tony? And the Lord showed me that there are...